Hit it. Tune into the manifesto hosted by Emily Wheaton, Logan Cook, and Logan Bishop. The Political Science Society's new radio cast. Catch us on local 107.3 FM and wherever you find podcasts. Welcome to the manifesto. My name's Logan. Today, my guest is Kevin Arsenal and Malay for Ken North. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Logan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So, we talked in October, but yep. a lot has happened since October. Absolutely. The first thing I want to start with is the Higgs government's French immersion reform plan. I call the elimination plan. Yeah. I went to the meeting here in St. John. It was heated at best teachers, our teachers, parents, the community, all upset with it you represent a very francophone writing you are francophone yourself yeah what do you think of this plan to eliminate french immersion in new bunch of schools yeah so i mean it's a it's a, a very big subject obviously taking a lot of place in in the news uh, the last few months um i didn't go through immersion i i went to french school my whole life and so I, um, I didn't go through that program, but I, I do know a lot of people that did go through it. Uh, Megan Mitten, uh, who's a MLA for Memram Cook Tantramar, went, went through a French immersion. And um, I mean, it, the, the plan of the Higgs government is, is a senseless plan. Mm-hmm. In the end Definitely. of the day, they're trying to eliminate a program for uh, people that uh, French immersion was working for. And they're trying to force in another program uh, to people that um, not necessarily all want um, that 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 kind of program. So um, the effects are are big, I think, in the sense where um, you have uh, we have a bilingual province. We yeah. have we know that immersion. Uh, all studies show that immersion is how you by immersing yourself into it is how you d- learn a second language. Yeah. And this, the plan doesn't seem very well thought out. It doesn't. It seems more of a personal agenda for Higgs uh, than anything that. else. So, what's the data uh, that is supporting this kind of change? Um, how how uh, are we going to prepare the teachers for this kind of change? How are we um, going to make sure that the teachers have the proper training and that we have enough teachers that uh, can uh, be giving this 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 new program. So it, it's it's a it's it's a program change that brings a lot more questions uh, than solutions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's like I'm not going to be here telling you that immersion was perfect. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things oh, yeah. that uh, that needed to um, be uh, looked at. Um, but in French, we have this expression: you don't you don't throw the baby out with the the, the water of the bath, um, and that's what they seem to be doing. Is that um, since there was challenges, they're throwing out the whole program instead of building on what was working and yeah. trying to fix what wasn't working. At the meeting, I was at a table with a bunch of elementary school teachers, and yeah. they're like, the, "Our kids are struggling already because of COVID and." all the past three years and going 50 50 half english half french will just put the kids more behind than they already are absolutely it's a loser situation no one's winning in this plane the anglophones are losing the francophones are losing everybody is yeah 
Yeah, we're no all, one's we're winning. All losing. We're all losing together, and, and <laughs> Blaine Higgs is is pushing you know a personal agenda that he's had since the the nineteen eighties. I mean, when he ran for the core, and um, that is the kind of things he was already talking about back then. So, oh, I forgot he was leader of the core. What a oh, wanted to be leader of the core. Yeah, he what wanted a, to be leader. What of the a core. parody that was. Yeah. Um, a story came out last month that. Uh, a Hindu religious leader in Nevada yes. yeah. wanted to do a one-time Hindu prayer recital in the legislature. The speaker, Bill Oliver, and the clerk said no because of a established Christian-only practice. Yeah. I saw you try to get rid of the Christian-only practice back in 2018 to bring in like a moment of silent reflection. Yeah. Why would they reject... This province is going through rapid demographic changes. Absolutely. Why would they reject a religion being able to have the prayer in the legislature in this province? I mean, for, for, for me, it's like, you know, when, when you look at church and state, I mean, there's, there's a reason that they're separated. Uh, when we go in the house, I, uh, I am, you know, of the uh, opinion that a moment of reflection, a moment of silence mm-hmm. where everyone can, uh, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, recite the prayer that they want to or think of a, a struggling a constituent or, or whatever would be um, a lot more inclusive as a practice would be, you know, we're talking about the people's house and traditions are meant to be changed. Um, I mean, traditions are traditions, but, um, but looking at that refusal, what, what my problem is with, with it is, is this kind of uh, reaffirmation that, um, there's only one religion that is permitted in the people's house. When we yeah. know very well that we have people from many different kind of faiths mm-hmm. living here in New Brunswick, it's also their people's house. They have the right to vote in New Brunswick. They have the right to, to run for politics in New Brunswick. Um, and so to open this up as a transitionary period, I think would have shown a lot of maturity from the legislative assembly to say, you know what, um, if, if, uh, and even I would say, even be proactive and reach out to the different fates and oh, yeah. say, how about you guys come and bring, um, you know, a, a reflection, a certain perspective to the house that that's not there right now. Cause when you look around the table, I mean, we have 49 MLAs, well, 46 now, cause there's three by-elections mm-hmm. coming up, but, uh, you know, uh, 100% white, uh, <laughs> Caucasian, um, 100, you know. So it's a very uh, uniform legislative yeah. assembly, but we're still there taking decisions for a, a diversity of people. So to, to bring these different perspectives in, to bring indigenous leaders, um, to bring a moment of reflection in the morning, bring uh, different fates, to bring um, a, a reflection in the morning, I think would be a transition um, a transitionary period that would be pretty interesting in going towards, I think, what would be better is a moment of reflection, a moment of uh, a moment of silence before you start the day. I, 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 I mean, I still believe that, you know, um, taking a moment to reflect on constituents or whatever before the house starts, before the deliberation starts, uh, it, it's not a bad ideal, but to impose a, a, a one you um, like that in the people's house? Uh, I, I that's why I took that position. It's it's 2023. Yeah. We're not all one religion. Say like we were 60 years ago. It's exactly. it's a different province than when this 
practice was first established, God only knows when. Yeah, well, it was probably established in 1867. So, I mean, New Brunswick has changed immensely since <laughs> yeah. 1867. And, and um, yeah, absolutely. When we talked back in October, the province had announced a $777 million surplus. Yesterday, the finance minister announced a surplus of $862 million. The problems we discussed back in October are still here. Healthcare is failing. There is not enough housing. The roads are in bad condition. And they're still boasting about this great big surplus. What are they going to do about it? What should they do with this great big surplus they keep posting? So what, what's happening is that they're, they're wreaking all the benefits of a um, growing population in New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're even admitting that's where the surpluses are coming from, is that we've, we've had, you know, uh, a big population growth in the past years. There's more um, income tax being paid. There's more uh, land tax uh, being paid, uh, price, uh, houses, price of houses have skyrocketed mm-hmm. in all parts of the, the province. So they're wreaking all the benefits, but they're not addressing the challenge that comes with population growth. So there, there's two things that's happening. One is that they are um, on one side, um, you know, not addressing the challenges, um, people living out in the streets, uh, people dying in, in uh, emergency rooms, and people not being able to afford proper housing uh, for their needs. Um, they're not addressing this at all. And on the other side, I think what's going what's gonna ultimately happen is that they're they're hindering, um, or they're they're completely uh, s- making sure that this growth eventually stops in in a certain sense. Where um, if we don't address these problems as they come up no one's going to want to move in yeah. Brunswick where you have a broken education system, a broken uh, health system, uh, a broken housing uh, system, um, nowhere uh, to treat. Because when we talk about homelessness in, in, in cities and even in rural areas, homelessness exists in rural areas. Mm-hmm. We're not attacking the core problems. So um, why aren't we uh, investing in uh, uh, addiction treatment centers? Why aren't we talking about uh, mental health uh, treatments in New Brunswick? Why aren't we investing in the ERs? I think it's all part of a, a Higgs uh, conservative government agenda of giving more and more and more to the private sector. So we're seeing the solutions come out right now. And just if we look at nurses, instead of paying them in the public system and making sure that their working conditions are better in the public system, we now have travel nurses in New Brunswick that are going from hospital to hospital, our, our, um, our um, senior citizens home to senior citizens home and then working in a hospital or whatever but being paid three times more than the nurses working in the public system so we're 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 we're, we're like often we say if we don't if we're not careful we're going to end up with a private system mm-hmm. well i would say we already have a private system in new brunswick and that is a, a major um a major problem in the problems we continue to have in the public sector so i i think you know on one side this is part of their agenda on the other side they're forgetting that people are suffering they're completely disconnected uh, by the reality of of, of New Brunswickers. As you said, travel nurses is getting paid three times more. Why would a nurse want to work in the public sector where conditions aren't as good? 
when they can go into the private sector and get triple their pay and have better working conditions. They can work wherever they want. Exactly, exactly. And so that's just going to bleed the public system even more. Um, we're going to have uh, the whole um, the whole labor issues that we're having is just going to get worse and worse. Um, this is not like we have we, we didn't have a chance to see this problem coming. I mean, <laughs> economists, demographs have been saying since the 70s that this this the baby boom and, and the, the uh, age pyramid was going to flip mm-hmm. around, that we were going to have an aging population. We know that Japan already went through this aging population problem in the, in the 90s. And so there's absolutely no reason uh, we shouldn't have seen this coming. Now we're in 2023 and we're, we're there, we're in it, um, and they haven't uh, taken care of it. Um, so we still have to act on the current problems, but they're also ignoring that. And that, that's where I, I completely, um, to, to be honest with you, Logan, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I do not understand their, um, their, their inaction. I'm not sure if anyone understands the side of Higgs and his, uh, I don't want, I want to say caucus, but like parade of loyalists, I'll call them that. Yeah, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the caucus. I mean, you know, I was elected uh, to stand up for the people of my riding and, you know, there's maybe loyalty issues or there's maybe, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, everyone who's elected has parliamentary immunity. Um, they have the right to get up, and they, I think they should be getting up um, and, and taking strong positions against their own government if that's what they really feel. If, if, if they're not taking those positions or if they're taking those positions but only behind closed doors and not doing it publicly, I think in, in the end of the day, they're part of the problem. Something that happened back in the fall was the, the premier put Chris Austin on the official languages committee and uh, – him alongside 10 other, or, yeah, 10 PCMLAs are looking at how to renew or fix the Official Language Act. Yeah. Chris Austin is known to be against bilingualism. He ran a parody that was against bilingualism. Yeah. How do you feel about an anti-bilingual person being on the committee looking at bilingualism in New Brunswick? It's a major problem. I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's a major problem. It's, it's very divisive as a way of... of, 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 of uh, of, 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 you know, looking at the Official Languages Act. Um, I think if, I, I'm not against uh, the, you know, I think um, at the end of the day, Chris Austin um, is saying out loud what some people are thinking mm-hmm. um, and, and issues that are happening, but that should have happened um, publicly. I think that this committee revising the Official Languages Act should have been a permanent, should be a permanent committee of the Legislative Assembly, mm-hmm. should be public hearings. Mm-hmm. We should be hearing what exactly is being said. And I think you should have uh, different perspectives be able to answer to those things. Because I think a lot of what Chris Austin has been doing his whole political career is misinformation, is taking issues and exaggerating them and creating divisiveness. And, and so what is he saying behind doors? I think that's the part that is extremely nerve-wracking for a lot of New Brunswickers. And uh, I'll be very clear. I mean, there's not only the Francophones that are nerve-wracked about it. 80, it's like 85% of New Brunswickers support official bilingualism. Yeah. And so there's a big um, silent majority and that uh, they're 
perspective is not being taken into account in this whole debate? Uh, the the province is trying to build a jail. In fact, I'll get right to it. Yeah. $42, $43 million. They said that the jail system in the province is overcrowded, but then they came out and said that they changed the way they count prisoners, so to include people who are serving in the community. So a new jail really isn't needed, especially at a cost of $43 million. Absolutely. What do you think about a new jail in the province? I think it's it's again it's it's a very bad policy decision. I think I, we don't we do not need a new jail. Um, if 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 they could prove that inmates serving time at this time uh, have very you know bad living conditions in these jails, I'd be open to knowing you know what could we do. I think that you know even prisoners have you know <laughs> human rights, um, and so we need to take care of that. But and they're not able to prove that. I think, mm -hmm. once again, this is one of the projects where they are pushing through some more of an ideological um, um, position more than what uh, New Brunswick actually needs. What I think we need, because um, we, we've seen, even the numbers are showing us, major crimes have been going down in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. Petty crimes are going up. But petty crimes, why are they happening is it mental health issues? Is it addiction issues? Is it poverty? Is it deep poverty? So what are so I think we should be putting our time and our energy and our money into addressing these problems of why petty crime has been going up in New Brunswick. And then we wouldn't need a jail because we'd have less prisoners. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I like when I see major crimes going down, we do not need a jail. What we need is to rethink our justice system. And uh, we need to, to look at how uh, we, we see justice and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and punishment instead of looking at maybe, um, I, I can't remember the English term for it, but uh, re repair, re repairing uh, justice more, um, uh, you know, com community involvement, getting people um, to serve time in, in different ways, uh, treating uh, addictions, treating, uh, having a good social policy, which mm -hmm. makes sure that no one is living in deep poverty and needs to resort to a petty crime to get by. And so I, I think that's where we need to put our time, energy, and money. A question that I'm going to ask, I, I interviewed uh, David Kuhn back in November, great yeah. guy. We t one of the questions I asked him was about the local reform, the local reform act, like amalgamating a whole bunch of communities across the whole province yep. that happened in November. I'm personally not a fan of it yep. because it's putting more responsibilities on municipalities that cannot afford it, say roads, plowing, yep. whatnot. they cannot afford it. What do you think about the amalgamation that happened? Well, I, I, I think that there is a value and there is, um, there, there is, um, how could I say there is, um, I, I can't think of the English word, sorry, um, but th there is, um, I guess, benefits, benefits that, that could come out of uh, local democracy. Yeah. But the, 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 um, the objective needs to be strengthening local democracy. And what the government, uh, the way they have been treating the local reform, that's the problem. I don't think it's the local. Again, I'll bring that French expression we say: you don't throw the baby out with the water of the bath. Yeah, is uh, with the bath water. It, it's. 
I, I don't think the local reform is the problem. I think it's the way that the government has chosen to implement it. Mm -hmm. So without giving the resources necessary to these communities, they've just seen it as a way to dump services without yeah. having to pay for it. That's the problem. They have also focused this on economical reasons when they should have been focusing, I think, on strengthening local democracies and and looking at alternative forms of local democracies inside of that. So how do you bring the power? Because one thing that Greens um, and, and I talk a lot about in the House is empowering local communities. Local communities know a lot better how to attack Uh, challenges that mm -hmm. they're having in their regions. And so this centralized government, um, centralized government is, is good for services like health, is good for services like education. But then you need to have a sense of local democracy happening because maybe the health concerns of people in Charlotte County are not the same as in Kent County. And we're dealing with different um, are, are in the Acadian Peninsula. So we're dealing with different um, different social issues around us. If you'd have more decision-taking uh, power at a local level, I think that our communities could better, um, better uh, tackle those challenges. But um, instead, the government, like I'm saying, is, has chosen to throw a bunch of responsibilities on to municipalities and say, well, we're not going to give you the resources, you know, just take care of it. And now it's not our problem anymore. And so I think once, just to, to conclude that is, is really, I don't think the local reform in itself is a bad idea, but I think the way the government has chosen to implement it is at the core of the problem. Yes, a few things I have to add is they're basically telling municipalities, good luck, do, do your best, we'll watch, from, we'll watch you from Fredericton, have yep. fun. Second off, it was, this is the first time I've had local, I've had a town council, I've yep. had a mayor, I've lived Middle of, middle of nowhere. There was never a yep. council, never a mayor. So I did like the fact that I could, I have a local government person for me. Yep. But the, how the government did it was just wrong. And Absolutely. It made, it made people across all spectrums not just dislike the plan from the get-go. Yeah, and their communication around it was really bad. So a lot of people didn't see it coming. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, You know, I, th I think they, they had an agenda and, and it was a hush-hush agenda and get, let's get it through. Mm -hmm. um, these kind of reforms um, take time, uh, take a lot of discussion, take, you know, um, democracy is not an easy thing. Democracy is all about, you know, talking, is all about, um, is all about um, finding consensus on things. Is, is, and so when you want to strengthen democracy, Uh, I think I, to, to retake the, 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 the movement in, in the food um, world, uh, there's, there's this movement called slow food, right? We should, we should better um, eat slower and, and, uh, and, and look for uh, quality in our food and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So this whole slow food movement, I think you know, we should have looked at it as slow democracy in a sense where let's take our time and get this right and make sure that it's working for the people. But the government instead just plowed it through. Um, give me a second. Something I found ironic was the, the government's trying to eliminate French immersion, but there's a new French school coming here to St. John, a new private French school. It was ironic that Just as, the, just as the government's like, we're going to get rid of French immersion, this French school run by the government of France costing 
$17,000 a year. It's like, and we're going to open our doors. What do you think about a new, very expensive private French school in New Brunswick? I think it's it's an attack on our public school system. I mm-hmm. I have said it and I will continue to say it. I am not um, a fan and I, I do not believe in uh, privatizing uh, any form of education. I think education is a is a human right is is a uh, is a common good and um, but may, you know again this goes it goes directly into uh, Higgs uh, and the conservative government's agenda of you know uh, this is this is a kind of a subtle way of privatizing French immersion mm-hmm. uh, and, and and was it you know just uh, luck that that happened at the same time uh, probably that you know but um, the perspectives of it are just horrible and so we're 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 creating two classes of citizens citizens that can pay for private school and uh, students who have to uh, go through uh, the public system and and any uh, form of privatization in in the um, in, in the educational uh, realm, um, I, I I have and will continue to oppose it. The premier had the state of the province, I believe, sometime last week. I forget the exact date. Thursday night. Yeah. It was a bunch of him being like, "Look how good we are. Look at look at how much I've done. Look how much of conservatives are doing. We should win again next year." Do you have any takeaways from the state of the province? Yeah, it was a lot of self <laughs> uh, self uh, self praise. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I think what it really showed is is, is complete disconnection with the population. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not what New Brunswickers are feeling. This is not what New Brunswickers are are going through right now with the the inflation uh, at a at a incredible high uh, since many many uh, many years. Um, you know, the housing issues. Uh, we're seeing again you know, the, the the healthcare issues, the education issues, the labor shortages in the public sector, and people getting crunched uh, with, with like inflation eating into their salary, their salaries being frozen or um, receiving uh, very little augmentation in the past years, which is the problem of the conservatives and the liberals alike that have negotiated these contracts. But um, I, I think really what it showed. Uh, was a, a premier that, you know, operates in his office um, and, and very rarely seeks, um, if, if at all, seeks to understand different perspectives. And we've seen this with this premier um, in the Francophone community. Um, I've, I've done, you know, talks about this and, and I, I, I was on a Rogers political panel on bilingualism, um, our, our Higgs relationship with the, with the Francophones. We've seen that he is unable to have a dialogue with anyone that would be just a little bit different than him. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're seeing this also with his relationship with the First Nations, his relationship with the unions, his relationship with anybody that's not Higgs. If, if you're a conservative and you have a conservative ideal, he'll have you in his office, no problem. But no uh, will whatsoever to converse with New Brunswickers. The Riding Commission announced their riding boundaries I, sometime last fall. I find them to be ugly. This, this, this unified, like they split Fredericton into three. They split, they, there's vines going from Gagetown to Moncton, Sussex to Moncton. They split, the Moncton suburbs are in like seven different ridings. Yeah. 
First off, did your writing change much? And second, any thoughts on the commission's report? Yeah, my writing didn't change a whole lot. I'm losing some uh, Anglophone communities that I really love uh, representing. Um, Fords Mill, Bass River, Targetville, those regions. Um, in the proposed, uh, it's not, I haven't lost it yet, but mm-hmm. in the proposed. I think one good thing is that they've added on Bay St. Anne um, into the Kent North riding. I've heard a lot of uh, people that are happy in the Bay St. Anne region um, to being uh, with Kent North. Um, so in my riding, it's not major changes. Um, it's always hard to have changes in that perspective, but um, I think they're, 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 you know, um, they're, they're, they're thought out uh, in my case. But um, the problem I have with, uh, with the reform, with, with the, the, new, the new writings in general, is this incapacity to, um, to regroup. It looks a lot more like gerrymandering yeah. than regrouping communities of interest. And so when you look at cities, cities have, um, you know, specific needs. And so mm-hmm. you want to try to concentrate uh, the bigger ridings. There's bigger population, um, but, uh, but realities are, uh, are, are similar if you, if you do your job right. So have these smaller but more populated uh, urban uh, ridings, but then you have these a little less populated but larger um, rural ridings. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they've done, like in the Fredericton area, is tagged on a bunch of rural with uh, urban areas. Mm-hmm. But uh, and and they've done this around you know Saint John a bit, and we're seeing it in the in the Moncton region too. And so, why would you go mix rural and urban, especially when it comes to representation at, at a provincial level, where you know? And I'm not saying this in the sense where you, you you're splitting urban and, and rural. There could be some similitudes in some of the the challenges that people are facing. But I think when it comes to have a representative, you want a representative that's able to um, to to defend your. A specific situation mm-hmm. in the best way possible and to do that you need to look at it so i have a bachelor degree in geography so i put my geography <laughs> and my, my geographic lens on it and i do not see any geographical uh, uh thought into the whole process and so it, it it looks more in my sense in that sense it looks a lot more like um, gerrymandering than anything else even yeah, if they're very mad at, at us using that term. But if you look at Fredericton, I mean, David Kuhn, uh, the leader of the Green Party's riding, split in two completely yeah. and added on a bunch of, of rule with that. It's, you know, you, you have to question why did they do that? It's a, it's a political. Is are it they political? trying to elect a conservative in Fredericton South or yeah. what well, was once Fredericton South? Like, my writing is funny. They all St. John West. I don't know what it's going to be called now, but every time it just encroaches more and more on St. John. Yeah. But why should people in say West St. John be included in a writing that's predominantly based in the middle of Charlotte County? We're we're very different on a lot of lot of issues. Absolutely, absolutely. And if, if, if you'd have, you know, someone representing Charlotte County, the, the rural areas, and then you'd have people representing uh, 
urban areas, then I think you'd have a better ideal of the challenges these communities are facing. Because what usually happens if if you have um, an ur uh, urban rural riding, and let's say the MLA is from the urban center, then the rural area uh, seems to be completely, you know, the issues seem to kind of be evacuated because there's less people living there. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm saying if you'd have stronger rural ridings, then the rural perspective would be brought a lot better to Fredericton. My final comment is that it's just the federal electoral boundaries. They split St. John right down the middle, right, right, through, the, right through the harbor. Yeah. West St. John is represented by my MP, but his riding is rural, like yeah. 500 people here, 500 people 100 kilometers away. But that does not seem fair to the West St. John people who are getting their city split in half to be put in with a very rural very different body than what they live in. Yeah. Doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, there, I mean, keep cities intact. I think, you know, uh, I, I understand the challenges that come with trying to uh, create maps like that mm -hmm. when you have, you know, certain uh, restraints that you have to keep in account, like how many constituents there's going to be in a riding and, and, you know, you have uh, the ratios you have to respect. And I, I, I can appreciate you know that 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 complexity, mm -hmm. um, but um, sometimes when you, when you see like you say the line going right down the middle, well you you know they didn't stop and think about it. Um, the province is really banking the renewable energy future on these small modular reactors. There was a I think there was a committee meeting about them a couple of days ago in Fredericton. Right now it's happening today. Oh, it's ha happening now. Yeah. There you go. Um, but these small modular reactors, they're private companies building them, and they don't seem awfully predictable, and they're definitely not cost-effective. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the province banking a renewable energy on these private small nuclear reactors? New Brunswick has too many challenges for us to be invested in venture capitalism. I mean, it's not the place of the province to be you know, funding these uh, technologies that have not been proven mm -hmm. to work. I think, you know, we should be investing our money into, um, in, into addressing social issues. And if we're going to invest money, I think we have to invest money in, you know, making sure that our power grid and that our energy transition is happening. Let's invest it in, you know, um, in, in technologies that we know work mm -hmm. and and look for solutions in that regard so talking about wind uh, energy talking about you know solar energy these are all um pro proven they're 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 not all reliable in a 24 hour 7 365 days a year perspective but the whole ideal of energy transition and renewable energies is that you need to have a mix of things so that you're not always relying on one single source right because when that source goes wrong then you have major major problems um i i you know i i'm in saint john today and i'm, I'm thinking about you know uh, saint john energy that mm -hmm. has you know topped its 15 percent. they're only allowed to produce 15 percent of the energy demand in saint john and they've been uh, investing in renewable energies they they're part of the solution uh, this is we're talking about you know a, a public utility of a of a of a of a municipal uh, of a government mm -hmm. uh, and so but uh, the province uh, voted against 
our uh, our bill that would have gave the possibility to St. John Energy to produce even more of their own energy. And so uh, you, you see they're, they're hindering the development of, uh, in the end, of uh, energy transition to, uh, to uh, go in their venture capitalist uh, kind of, you know, uh, projects. And we, I, we, we saw it we, I, with Joy Scientific. Like this was a whole, uh, a whole scandal in New Brunswick where NB Power um, invested millions in uh, hydrogen development that completely flopped. And, and so like, do we really have that kind of money? I, no. I don't think so. Here, I know here in St. John, they're, they're building this wind turbine I don't want to call it a complex, like, I think it's 10 or 15 wind turbines producing 15% of the city's energy. Yeah. There, there are so many spots in New Brunswick that you could put these, a whole bunch of wind turbines, like, right on the coast, bunch wind, right on the Bay of Funding, wind all year round. I don't understand what they're not doing. Instead, they're, as you say, investing in this venture capitalist, well, let's, let's hope and pray that it works type of thing. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and like, there's there there's better places to put time and energy uh to to ensure our our uh, energy uh, future and then there's the whole question also that we need to ask ourselves in you know energy efficiency we're not investing enough in energy energy efficiency mm-hmm. so i just went through the whole project of building a house uh, a project that me and my wife had had for 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 since we've known each other and uh, and you know just uh, looking at at how um, New Brunswick um, does not support at all um, you know uh, energy efficiency inside a new build. Um, they're not promoting it. They're not you know. There's no programs available for making your sure your house is insulated uh, at, at at higher levels. So they, they've put the standards really low, and, and what's happening is that we, we have inefficient, you know, infrastructure that we need to heat. Obviously, winter's not going anywhere. Uh, even with climate change, I mean, we're, we're still going to have winters, so we're going to have to continue to heat our houses, and, and we live in a, in a, in a, a you know, a cold climate. So, so we have to look at that bit, too, and that's something that, that we're not doing here in New Brunswick. Not enough, anyway. News came out today that the former Horizon CEO, who had the job for a grand total of four months, and was basically the scrapgoat of Higgs when the healthcare system started failing, was awarded $2 million. It, it's financial irresponsibility from the premier to hire, some, to hire CEO and then fire him four months later because of the premier's own fault for not fixing the healthcare system. Yeah. What do you think about the whole thing? Well, that 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 becomes a problem when you know uh, when you give that much power to 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 a premier. I mean, the premier is supposed to respond to the legislative assembly. The the premier is supposed to you know, um, um, I mean, he's he's an MLA that's been that's been elected just like I have. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that you know he was elected also a leader of a party. Um, that won the most seats, won the most seats with 26% of the vote in New Brunswick. So 26% of eligible voters voted for the Conservative Party of New Brunswick, but they hold 100% of the power. Mm-hmm. And so, if, if, so, you know, when you concentrate power into 
the hands of one person sitting on the sixth floor of Chancery Place, you know, you're going to have these kind of uh, power trips and I'll call it a power trip and, and, you know, just waking up one day and, and being like, well, we have to find someone to throw under the bus. And, you know, today it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Mr. Dorman and tomorrow it's going to be someone else. And we've seen this, this, this government act in that regard many times and, and it, that's irresponsible government. You talked about the by-elections that are happening. Eventually, Higgs will not give a concrete date. They're straight. They're Dieppe and two northern ridings whose names yeah. I cannot remember off my head. Resigo Chalal and uh, Bathurst Est Nipsiguit Saint Isidore. <laughs> um, do the Greens plan on running a candidate in each one of those ridings? Absolutely. We'll be running three candidates. Uh, we'll be running in, in every riding, and uh, we'll, we will be running uh, to win. And uh, I could even say uh, in all, uh, it's the first time I'll say this publicly, uh, I think we have a star candidate coming in uh, the Resigouchala riding, which okay. we'll be announcing very soon. I can't, I can't before um, that person decides to, to come out, uh, I'm not going to do it. But um, I, I will say that we have a, a star candidate in that riding, and... Uh, we will be uh, looking to, to win some of those ridings for sure. I know Susan Holt is running, and again, I can't remember, I think she's running, in, isn't she running in Denny Landry's old seat? Yeah, so Bathurst East, uh, Nipsiguit, St. Zidore riding. And I know Higgs said that they might not run a candidate against her just to get her seat, but at, when I talked to David, he said, we are going to run a candidate. Absolutely. Because we are in it to win. Yeah. Yeah. As you reaffirmed that today. You were a- in, absolutely. You were in it I to think, win. You know, you, you, we need to give you know the chance to the electors to also um, state their opposition um, mm-hmm. to um, to um, to vote for the candidate that they want there, and whoever wins it will win it. Uh, but it's not our job to not you know run a candidate against a leader of another party. I'm pretty sure that um, Susan Holt would not. Well, actually, Susan Holt did run against David last election. So, oh, she did, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, she, she did. I forgot and, about that. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I don't think she'd extend the same kind of, uh, the same kind of uh, thing in any way, shape, or form. So that being said, I mean, I think it's important uh, in, the, in the whole democratic process to, to give you know, choices to electors. There's an election happening. What's the schedule for? September of next year or October of next year? So I the cannot remember general which election, one. next general election. I, I can't remember the date that's set in the because um, it, it's a fixed date uh, elections now in New Brunswick. I can't remember the date, but it's sometime in October. Okay, it is. It is October because yeah. the federal elections September of 2025. I yeah. so many elections. Again, I'm mixed up. <laughs> the go on that question. Where do the Greens have any target seats that they plan on contesting and putting a lot of resources in time into? All 49. All f- <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I like that, the confidence. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we, we want to go, we want to run, and we want to run, you know, um, good candidates, good, good, um, good uh, campaigns in every single riding. Is there some that um, we see, um, you know, uh, chances to, um, to, 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 to turn over? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of Northern ridings that, um, that have, Greens have arrived in second place in over 18 ridings in the province last election. 
So there's a lot of ridings where we think we could do gains. There's uh, many um, rural ridings up north. There's, uh, I mean, the Moncton area, the St. John area. Um, there, there is appetite uh, for change. And uh, I, th I think uh, Fredericton Harbor right here, uh, St. John Harbor, uh, we, we arrived uh, second place. Uh, Fredericton North, we arrived second place last riding. So we had very good candidates that, that did very good showing. So um, we're, we're continuing on that route. Yeah, the Franklin North one. Didn't the incumbent liberal come third? Absolutely. That was like, no offense to the guy, but whoa. Yeah. You go from winning by like 10 points to coming in third behind a PC and a very upstart green. No one, I don't think anyone expected the green to do as well as they did. But he ran a good campaign. He did. And, and running a good campaign is, is, is very important. That's all I have. Do you have anything to say to the people listening to this about anything in New Brunswick? Well, I that's a good general question. <laughs> and first of all, I want to thank you for having me uh, here in the studios in St. John. Uh, I, I always like coming out and obviously had the chance to meet a lot of people. Uh, I've been here since yesterday, so I had a chance mm -hmm. to meet a lot of people uh, in the region um, talking about different issues. Um, I obviously represent a very rural riding, but when I'm in the house, I, I talk about New Brunswick issues also, so it's good to have a better perspective on the different issues that are touching all New Brunswick. I, I guess my, my only message that I would throw out I, is really that, you know, um, you know, we, we are, at the end of the day, living in challenging times. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think uh, probably a lot of people from different times would have said the same thing. But we do have our challenges. Uh, we have major challenges. We have, you know, uh, the, the climate change crisis. Um, we have uh, a healthcare uh, crisis happening in New Brunswick. We, we, we have the aging population. And, you know, uh, when I look at, when I talk to young people, uh, we're on a campus university here, when, when we talk to young people, um, it's, it, it's not like it was a certain time where, you know, you could, uh, I was talking with some, I was talking in an old uh, age uh, group the other day, and they were saying how they could, in the, in the 70s, they could buy a house living on minimum wage. That cannot happen in New Brunswick anymore. You can barely afford an apartment on minimum wage. You can wage. barely afford an apartment on, absolutely, on minimum wage. And so we're living through, um, you know, uh, difficult times. But I think, you know, solidarity is what's going to get us out of it. Thinking outside the box is what's mm -hmm. going to get us out of it. Um, you know, we need uh, not only ideals. We need, you know... Action. We need to empower communities, empower individuals, empower New Brunswickers. A lot of the best solutions are going to come from right here in New Brunswick. Um, I, I just think about you know our government um, when they they're they're looking for um, you know uh, opportunities in New Brunswick, invest in in different companies. They're always looking outside of New Brunswick. What company can we bring here mm -hmm. instead of looking at what's happening here? There's already a bunch of very awesome stuff happening here and how could we help and empower the people here in New Brunswick um, to, um, to, to face the challenges that we're facing well that's it for today's interview today my guest was Kevin Arsenal M Green MLA for Kent North and I'm your host Logan Cook thank you thanks for tuning in to the Manifesto podcast brought to you by the UNBSJ Politics Society I'm your host Logan Cook